0: It's been a year since Joe Biden was inaugurated. Working with the Democratic Congress, he was able to get some early legislative wins with a multi-trillion dollar pandemic relief package and later in the year, a bipartisan infrastructure law. But the coronavirus has continued to run amok, and two big priorities for Biden and the Democrats, voting rights legislation, and a bigger social safety net package have stalled. A chaotic pullout from Afghanistan and fears of inflation have drawn down Biden's political capital. And he has other worries, like a potential war between Russia and Ukraine. But even with so much attention on the White House and Congress, and the arguments about what kind of effect those two branches of government can have, the other branch of government, the courts, might be having a more far-reaching effect on people's lives. That's especially the case, so to speak, with the Supreme Court. Biden and Congress have gotten a lot of attention for their attempts to reshape society, but the high court is doing it with a variety of decisions. From determining where women can get abortions, what kind of guns will be allowed in cities, how much money can be spent in politics, and whether tens of millions of people will need to get a vaccine to protect public health. Todd Ruger, our legal affairs writer and senior writer here at CQ Roll Call, joins us on Political Theater to discuss. Todd, welcome back. Uh, Thanks, Jason.
1: Thanks for having me. Uh,
0: You know, so this is a, you know, real... uh, Real simple, just, you know, one thing we want to hit in this podcast, right? Just the, you know, fate of society and the the relationship of the branches of government to one another.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, just the variety of different things that are going through, uh, the Supreme court and culture right now. Um, still mind boggling, even as Donald Trump, you know, president Donald Trump left office, he was, he generated a ton of legal news, uh, with all sorts of challenges to everything he was doing. And, uh, that hasn't stopped uh, now here with the Biden administration.
0: Yeah, let's let's start, you know, just real quickly with some of the news that we're seeing, you know, this week in the Supreme Court and then we'll talk about some of these other uh cases that have worked Work their way through, you know, roughly half, you know, not quite halfway through the term. Uh, it starts in October, but, um, you know, as, as we're sort of at this point, you know, one year out from the president's inauguration, just what kind of effect the court's having with some of their decisions. Uh, but the, the, the case that you were covering today, uh, were, it was oral arguments uh, before the court uh, in, a, in a case that was brought by a sitting U.S. Senator Ted Cruz, a Republican from Texas. Talk about that case a little bit.
1: Uh, That's right. So it was uh, Ted Cruz in his 2018 campaign did a little financial uh, deal with himself and his campaign where he loaned $260,000 to his campaign, knowing that there is a $250,000 limit for how much he can get pulled back. And that limit is in um, a law called the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act. That's more commonly known as McCain-Feingold. It's 2002 law. It was a major campaign finance overhaul law, but it has run into um, problems with the conservative Supreme Court. And so Ted Cruz uh, did this knowing that he could get this case up in front of the Supreme Court. The conservatives on the Supreme Court would likely side with him and would take away one of the, um, the ways that Congress tried to restrict the influence of money in elections
0: and i think this is an important point too what you just you know sort of mentioned which is that you know this the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act was passed, as you said, in 2002. I mean, it did have a bipartisan uh, sponsorship. Russ Feingold's a Democrat from Wisconsin, John McCain, a Republican from Arizona. It managed to you know get through a filibuster in the Senate. It became law. And then immediately, uh, the the person who was leading the charge against it in Congress, Mitch McConnell, started filing lawsuits or, or at least backing various legal challenges. And over the years, it's been kind of uh, hobbled one way or another. So the, the express sort of will of Congress Congress, uh, it has been sort of dented, you know, mightily over the years. And McConnell himself, uh, wrote a brief saying that the justices, even though what's at issue is just this one provision that you mentioned about loaning yourself money and whether you can, you know, like loan more than $250,000 to your, yourself and repay it is, uh, McConnell said, you know what, while you're there guys, I know, you know, I helped get three of you on the court, you know, just in the last couple of years, let's just, Let's just strike down the whole thing. Let's just get rid of the whole law, which goes beyond the the boundaries of just this case.
1: Uh, yeah, but you know the the that's what conservatives would like. That's what McConnell would like. Uh, you, you you he did file actually was the name plaintiff in a lawsuit against this law back in the day. Um, but there, the, you know, in two thousand fourteen, uh, part of this was struck down uh, the aggregate campaign contribution limits. Um, but in two thousand ten, was one of the major cases. Uh, that struck down um, uh, Citizens United versus the Federal Elections Commission, uh, which which basically struck down part of the law that, uh, and then opened the door for large political action groups to spend unlimited amounts of undisclosed money on campaigns. I mean, it's one of the the animating um, features of politics these days, uh, and it was a Supreme Court ruling that struck down something that. That uh, Congress tried to tried to curtail,
0: and it looks like uh, you know with a six three conservative majority, six uh, uh, conservatives all picked by Republican presidents, and three uh, you know three democratically nominated and confirmed justices. It looks like this uh, Cruz probably has a pretty good case uh, for himself, uh, and so we probably will see at least one provision, if not the whole law, uh, kind of come tumbling down. Well, I
1: think that's why uh, you see McConnell file a brief that that sort of shoots for the moon on on this law, because uh, this is the first time that there'll be a campaign finance case um, with the justices that Donald Trump uh, put into office that McConnell helped uh, confirm and push through the Senate and um, and gives them this 6-3 advantage. So there's no more middle, uh, you know, no more Justice Anthony Kennedy in the middle, maybe. To to put the brakes on on something like this, Uh, and you see, this is kind of a theme. This this um, term, it's the it's the second term with the with the six three majority, but it's really the one where they're going to uh, they've started to take cases that they've chosen uh, and and really move forward on on a lot of these uh, issues that sort of align with Republican political uh, goals or or an agenda
0: and uh yes it it seems like it's what what i was sort of struck by when i when i started looking at the docket um you know the of, of cases that you've been covering and and uh um, and that they are they are he- either hearing or scheduled to hear and then rule on by the end of the term is this I mean the the Democrats are you know typically uh, criticized for like wanting too much trying to do too much in this one in this one Congress uh, but it seems like the Supreme Court is like we're going to do everything we can you know in this term so let's start with abortion uh there's a couple of abortion cases uh that they have already uh, heard arguments on one was challenging texas's law which basically set up a private uh, enforcement system for anybody who was to get an abortion after i forget what the time period was is uh, it six weeks six, six weeks. weeks um when uh, and and then they also heard um the challenges to uh m- some restrictions in Mississippi. So like, let's talk about that and the effect that they've already had, uh, especially in regard to the Texas law and what might come with the Mississippi stuff.
1: Right. So, uh, you know, for, for decades uh, since Roe v. Wade, uh, 1973 uh, decision, the standard has been that states can't regulate abortion uh, prior to viability, which is when the fetus can survive outside the womb, which is about 24 weeks. And uh, that has really fueled a conservative legal movement. And now you're seeing sort of the, the, the uh, apex of that moving into the Supreme Court with these two cases. And the first one was they dealt with on sort of an emergency basis. That's the Texas law. Um, as you mentioned, it's like designed to evade um, with this bounty system, it's designed to evade the sort of pre-going uh, pre- into effect challenge that could stop it and uh the supreme court heard argument on that and declined to stop it while the lawsuits are pending uh that that pretty much sealed uh the fate that uh, of texas and this law being in effect for weeks months years as it goes through either the state court or a different you know a very limited federal court um so right now and down in texas you've got the the fifth circuit just uh issued an order that's that you know Technically the word is certified, but said, hey, state Supreme Court is going to deal with this issue on, on this abortion thing, and we're not going to deal with it. So that's that's a delay. Um, and we're still waiting on the opinion uh that they heard oral argument on the Mississippi law, which is a ban after 15 weeks. And that in that they could they could um do anything, uh rewrite um the the standard law that's been around for for. For years, or even wipe out Roe v. Wade completely, and finally just sort of take a take a uh, an eraser to that decision, overrule it, and put in something new. Um, but either way, it looks like they're uh, the the court is perfectly happy to allow states to further regulate abortion than they have uh, in the what is the you know the current law. So um, even though they haven't overturned Roe v. Wade yet, it, it's all the dire- all, everything is going towards the directions of states having more ability to curtail abortion.
0: Right, and I mean for all intents and purposes, like we are basically in a pre Roe versus Wade environment now because states are able to restrict. Uh, you know how you know, when a woman can get an abortion or suffer a lawsuit, uh, you know, in, in, in the case of Texas or, you know, or, or otherwise. And so it's, that that is a big effect. That is, that's the kind of effect that, uh, that, that doesn't even seem feasible in Congress right now, uh, but it is being decided by nine people right now.
1: Uh, correct. Yeah. Congress has been, uh, of course, log jammed on this issue. Uh, partisan gridlock uh, and uh, Texas and the states, uh, you know, where the Republican legislatures rule, they they have not been shy about trying to legislate this. And and um, the Supreme Court you've got now uh, with this conservative approach it says, you know, leave it up to the legislature, leave it up to Congress. Courts shouldn't be in it. And what they would argue is that the courts made a mistake originally um, with Roe v. Wade, and that it should be left. Up to the states and the politicians in those states and Congress. I mean, if Congress wants to pass a law, and so what they what they would argue is that they're kind of resetting it. But um, what we what we're going to have is, I, I mean, it's it's pretty hard to imagine. But but Texas right now is operating that way um, with uh, on a different on a different legal standard for abortion than the rest of the country. And what you could have is a patchwork of laws. Um, Uh, based on where you live could be what your right to an abortion or your access to abortion is.
0: And another health related issue, uh, vaccines. We just saw uh, that, you know, last week that the Supreme court weighed in, uh, they had heard uh, two challenges uh, to, uh, to uh, vaccine mandates, one for healthcare workers uh, working under Medicare and Medicaid. And another that, that the, Uh, The administration had issued that was requiring larger employers uh, to to vaccinate their uh, to require that their employees get vaccinated or be subject to masking and testing uh, regimes in in the workplace. And uh, let's talk about how how that came down and the again the the immediate change on people's lives. It seems.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the interesting things about uh, the 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 current health crisis uh, that we have is that. It's become politicized. and um the 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 way that we react to to it has become politicized. I mean, there's obviously both people on from both parties have different views, and there's no it's no monolith. But um you know, when the Supreme Court heard it, uh, basically they said uh, in their ruling, uh, that that Congress hadn't given uh, this power to um, the administration to regulate workplaces when it comes to something like vaccine mandate. Or testing, uh, you know, a very costly testing scheme that that businesses would have to put in, and it was businesses that challenged it. But it was also, you know, Republican states that challenged it, and and at the lower court level, it had been about half of the half the country. Judges had said you can't implement this vaccine mandate on businesses, and so you know what the court ended up saying uh, was a lot like what I just said. Uh, um, Gorsuch wrote. Um, You know, as the law stands today, the power is with the states uh, and with Congress to uh, to do this. Not not OSHA, not the Biden administration. You know, this has never been done before. Something as sweeping as you know, forcing uh, people to either get a vaccine or go through something that's costing to them or costly to their businesses. Um, the other side of the coin is basically, you know, yeah. It the, the OSHA uh, was uh, protecting the workplace. Um, it has a just, statutory
0: mandate to protect workers. Yes, right. it was created by because, Congress
1: to protect workers. <laughs> right, but just because they're protecting the workplace and that protection of the workplace extends beyond the workplace, um, that doesn't mean that they don't have the power to to protect. Workplace that that view ultimately didn't weigh out, you know, went out. Um, the conservatives, uh, you know, stopped that from being implemented while the the lawsuits continue. So it's not a final determination, but uh, by the court, but but in effect, it it is. Uh, if you are sitting next to somebody at work and you catch COVID because of it, and um, you know that that is what the Biden administration was trying to stop. But now everybody that goes to work um, can't have that protection
0: and and again, like there's nothing preventing businesses from implementing their own requirements that uh, employees get vaccinated or stay away from the office uh, you know things like that or you know get Masked or tested, but you know the 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 court said a business can't require that. And already we've seen some of the largest businesses in the country, GE for one, uh, step away from their vaccine requirements. Um, and but and we should note too that the court did allow. Uh, the Centers for Medicaid and Medicaid Services to to implement the requirement for healthcare workers for for facilities and and workers who receive uh, funding through those programs. So they they didn't strike it all down. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Gorsuch because I feel like we should uh, mention that uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch, whose reasoning prevailed uh, along those lines, uh, has has drawn some attention to himself by going uh, into oral arguments without a mask. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, and this has been the chatter, the chatter among, uh, you know, Supreme Court watchers. And it really exploded with a report from NPR that um, Justice, Chief Justice John Roberts had asked the justices to wear a mask at oral argument um, after, you know, in the new year. Something definitely happened because um, now almost all of the justices are wearing masks. Uh, at oral argument, except Justice Gorsuch, and uh, the the justice who sits next to him, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, who has uh, a history, a medical history of diabetes that um, is thought to maybe be uh, put her at more at risk if she does catch COVID, has been participating remotely from her chambers, and this drew a lot of speculation and uh, and, and a lot of criticism of Gorsuch for not being just a good coworker maybe and wearing a mask. And maybe that's why Justice Sotomayor is is hearing remotely. Well, now um, they, today they had the Supreme court had uh, justices themselves issued two very rare statements. I mean, it's very rare for, um, for the Supreme court to, to speak out, but you had Justice Gorsuch and Justice Sotomayor issue a statement that said that, that the reporting had that, that Justice Gorsuch Um, wasn't wearing a mask. And that's why she was back there, that it surprised them. And it's false that they're warm colleagues. Um, And then Chief Justice uh, Roberts issued a statement that he said, I didn't request Justice Gorsuch or any other justice to wear a mask on the bench. And, you know, you have people questioning like, oh, you know, these aren't exactly what NPR reported. But you know i think what you have is the same thing you have with with masking and vaccines generally in the population there's a there's a political approach to viewing these things now and uh, a courtesy approach you know should you should you wear a mask for courtesy even if it's not medically necessary because the the court has put in a, a very strict testing regime ahead of oral arguments three three of the attorneys that have uh, been set to argue before the court have had to do it remotely because they had a positive test um, that they have them test that morning uh, rapid test. We had uh, justice uh, Stephen Breyer had uh, a positive on a rapid test before the oral arguments. It later turned out to be a false positive but he he participated remotely just out of an abundance of caution. And so you have uh, tested with with uh, rapid tests pcr tests, uh, and, um, you know, it's arguable about with this latest variant, whether masks are really even, uh, that efficient, if you're going to be spending time next to somebody. So, you know, Gorsuch may be on the right side of science and the wrong side of, um, of politeness, uh, to your coworkers, especially a coworker that you're going to have for the rest of your life, theoretically, uh, at the Supreme court. But, um, you know, I just think it's a reflection on how political, Uh, the country is viewing almost every little thing that the court does.
0: Yeah. It's quite a microcosm, just of what we're all going through. Um, We, you know, I I wanted to also just mention that this, this isn't it, you know, either. I mean, we've got the pandemic in there. We've got women's health issues. uh, You know, we have money. Uh, in in politics, but we also have a couple of other big uh, cases to come. In one, in gun rights, and another about clean air, uh, and those are still uh, to come. Why don't we just you know we'll quickly uh, touch on those uh, before wrapping up?
1: Yeah, well, um, next month is uh, oral arguments in some challenges from states about uh, EPA rules and clean air, which uh, you know, of course, is pits big is traditionally like a big business versus. Um, environmentalist issue, but also cuts on on uh, Republican Democratic lines. Uh, then uh, we have the gun rights case, which is, is, you know, as demonstrated in Congress and the gridlock there and the votes, very ideological split on gun rights. And th- this is the first, they heard all arguments last year, and they're going to say um, whether or not for the first time, uh, first amendment rights extend out into public uh, and, and, or I'm sorry, second amendment rights, of course, first.
0: We've already talked first amendment rights here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So second, whether or not second amendment rights go, go out into the uh, public sphere or not, uh, and in what way, and how much States can regulate, um, you know, gun possession in public. And then I, you know, the, one of the, the hot potatoes right now is what they're going to do with Trump's appeal. President Trump's appeal, uh, of a ruling that said that the, uh, Archives would have to turn over to Congress some of the president's records related to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Uh, the House Select Committee that's investigating that attack has asked for these documents. Uh, the White House, but the Biden administration, has said, go ahead, we, you know, we're waiving any executive privilege over these documents. For because this is such an important investigation, and the former President Trump has said, "No way, there's a certain certain amount of those documents that I don't want you to have, and I have, you know, reasons that are are important for the government as a whole and government operation. And he's asked the court to look at that, and they have yet to decide what they're going to do. So in, in, in you know as soon as today or the coming days, we could get news about. Uh, About whether or not the Supreme Court is going to step into this committee's investigation, which is incredibly partisan uh, on, on the Hill.
0: You know, people may say that this is an inter, inter-government fight or even a fight between a previous administration and a current one over the release of records. But when you think about how visceral, like, you know, January 6th is, this was quite literally an attack on Congress. It was the, you know, people trying to prevent the certification of an election. Uh, that has the kind of effect, uh, not necessarily the same kind of effect as I have to get a vaccine tomorrow or I get fired. But, I mean, this is these are all real effects on people's lives. And it's, uh, it, it, I don't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it has sneaked up on us because you and I talk uh, somewhat regularly about the Supreme Court and the significance of the cases that we have before uh, that they are considering and that we're covering. But this seems like a very, like, this seems like a bigger term than ones that, you know, we've, we've had in, in the most recent past.
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, You know the Supreme Court uh, always lines up cases, and it always depends on how they decide them. They can decide them narrowly, or or sweeping, broad sweeping. You know issues. You know, think um, think about the abortion case out of Mississippi. They could wipe out Roe v. Wade completely. That would be huge. Or they could maybe find some way to very narrowly resolve this case uh, in a way that maybe only affects Mississippi or uh, or punts it down the down punts this whole issue down uh, down the line another year or two. So um, it, it all depends on what they do here in the next few months.
0: Well, Todd, thanks very much for keeping on top of this for us. Uh, it's It's always good to talk with you about this and to work with you on these stories. And uh, well, there's much more to come
1: for sure. Thanks.